special edition of the Argon Here podcast. I'll be your host today, Patrick. And in this episode, I will be having a one-on-one interview with horror writer, actor, director, Josh Rubin. We started off our interview with a discussion of his upcoming horror original graphic novel, Darla. Now, our regular listeners will be familiar with this because back in April of this year, I had an, another one-on-one interview with the artist of this upcoming graphic novel, Brie Tippett's, back in episode 303. This episode will serve as a companion piece of sorts for that episode because Josh Rubin is the writer of this, of this graphic novel and we'll be going into detail just about his creative process, his influences for the comic, his his work on movies, and a whole lot more. Now, full disclosure, there were some audio issues during our recording of this interview. However, thanks to Cajun Greatness host Justin, we were able to salvage the audio. Now, we understand the audio of the interview may not be up to our usual standards. However, we believe that the conversation is worth listening to. Josh is a very insightful guy. He makes a lot of good points about writing, movies, and the industry that we wanted to salvage just the best we can and present that to you today. So thank you for understanding, and here is my interview with Josh Rubin. Hello everyone, welcome to a very special edition of the Argon Here podcast. I'll be your host today, Patrick, and joining me today is a very special guest, Please give a warm A.Y. Shates welcome to award-winning writer, actor, director, Josh Rubin. How are you today, Josh? I'm so good. I apologize in advance, Patrick. This sounds like I'm making dinner for my, uh, my wife and cat, but, uh, but I am. So any clicking and beeping, I apologize. No, you're quite all right. Uh, we're very um, off the cup at A.Y. Seawakes, very... Um, very laid back, so I think that won't be uh, any trouble at all. So, um, Excellent. Well, we add, <laughs> add character. <laughs> I definitely think so. And uh, like I said earlier, it's been a, a long time coming. Um, we've been uh, emailing back and forth for a little while now, and it's great to finally um, not only speak with you, but like just to sort of to put a face to like the personally to like all the great body of work that you put out recently from Scare Me, Blood Relatives, Werewolf Within, A Wounded Fawn, just like a great growing body of work. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, just doing, doing what I can, which of course is a bit halted right now with the, uh, with the writer's strike and the, impender, and the impending actors um, and directing strike. So just uh, doing, doing our thing, doing what I got to do in this like indie world, you know? Yeah, and I definitely uh, to, to to speak on that for just for a moment. I definitely appreciate you showing your support for like the writers and other creators out there who are who are just trying to make a living and you know continue to put out you know 
the things that we love and you know what they're asking for isn't a lot but you know to see like you and other people like you really support that movement it's it's, it's very encouraging to see oh there's there's i don't i don't have any other choice i mean i'm i'm in the union myself i'm in three three guilds um each of my unions, uh, all three may end up striking. We'll know by, you know, I guess, the, uh, July 1st. Um, but uh, it, it all starts with scripts. Without without scripts, without writers, we have nothing. And uh, without those great scripts and those great shows, um, these uh, CEOs who are raking in massive profits won't be profiting the way that they have been. And hopefully we can just... Give uh, give these writers their fair share. It's long overdue, and it's just a shame that we have to uh, strike like this every few years. We can't just come to a fair deal and have it evolve as necessary when it needs to. So, uh, but someone brought up a really good point. It's like um, they said something to the effect of, "We're we're only here and doing what we're doing today because of fights of the past and strikes." and movements um that came before so this just happens to be our time now and you know it it, it is what it is we're gonna fight like hell and it will certainly end in a in an equitable deal because that's that's the only choice we have to keep making cool shit absolutely and well on the subject of writing um what a big part of one to discuss with you today is your writing component on this collaborative comic book that you have coming out very soon yeah. as a recording and that's the horror original graphic novel Darla and if you would please uh, elaborate on what the general idea of Darla is sure Darla is kind of a um, HBO's Tales from the, script, from the Crypt uh, Stephen King kind of inspired um, wicked little tale about an irritable small town woman who um, fantasizes about a uh, politician and a monster um, sort of at the same time while she reckons with the aftermath of this accident that happened to her in this factory um, where she previously worked so it's a wicked little tale it's inspired by like the likes of the dead zone and as I mentioned tales from the crypt um, the town that she's in is very like Stephen King's dairy in my mind maybe with you know, a bit more comedic levity um, but uh, it's a it's a, a story that I imagined first as a film and then um, with the aid of my artist Brianna Tippetts who's just a total genius who I you know grew acquainted with over Instagram she was sending me some fan art of some projects I'd worked on I was like oh my gosh I love your style we um, we were able to to adapt it and turn it into a, to a graphic novel which is a medium I've been sort of dreaming about getting into for some time and um, we actually spoke with Brianna uh, back in April, and we had a great conversation because, like, she's just a it's, it's such a generous like person when it comes to like her art and her time, and yes, yeah, and it was just really cool to see someone you know go from like putting their art online into like having this great opportunity. And what was it specifically about Bree's art that drew you to her work? Um, I when I say this, it's it's a compliment. I mean, there's something about her art that's duly like cute and gruesome. Um, there's something like inherently spectral about it. Um, the way that she she draws, it, just her vision is so um, it's just so unique and so individual, and that's that's what you want in a great 
um, and a great graphic artist and a great illustrator. You want vision, and and she she isn't. I know she can sort of draw in many styles. She's a storyboard artist too, and her portfolio is kind of staggering just how like versatile she is. But her her individual style is just it's so unique. I um, I don't know. I just I, I thought, my God, I, I this story is so unusual in and of itself, and the story is also sort of at risk of being bleak given the subject, na- you know, the subject nature. Um, so. Uh, I thought, yeah, there's, there's no one better. And uh, I would definitely agree with you there because one thing we discussed on uh, our interview with her is that how it's a, it's very disarming how she has like this very almost storybook, like children's illustrated uh, novel uh, approach to her art. But then yeah. when you get a little closer, it's you get you see it like like you said that that grotesquery that 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 uncanniness that sort of belies like that. Yes. Cute surface. And from what you described in your story, like, I think that's very appropriate considering, like, the story is about, like, a disenfranchised older woman who's isolated and she's sort of, you know, unassuming, but then there's something very dark underneath, like, that that facade. That's exactly right. Yeah, you, you, you said it quite well. Um, she has a kind of a, 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 a children's storybook quality to her art. At least I think she leaned into it quite a bit for this one, and it just it aids in the uh, in the contrast of the subject matter so much. I think in the storytelling in such an effective way because it's just like it's it's a it's a disturbing one, or certainly can be. And uh, you, you mentioned uh, Stephen King's Dairy as like an inspiration uh, for the story, and I wanted to say what was sort of your other sort of inspiration like for visuals for tone for story that all would would feed into this story well i had a i had a visual deck um for brianna you know i and as i mentioned i I envisioned this originally as as a feature film um and i just thought well there's there's just probably very little way that it'd be a viable film in and of itself despite that you know the genre community is so welcoming to be like yeah whatever a story about an irritable small town woman who fantasizes about this monster grows obsessed with a wicked politician um the director's deck had images of everything from like melissa leo in prisoners who uh, you know is kind of a, a great template for darla mm-hmm. um to uh the creepy woman in shutter island who you know is losing her hair you know she's at the institution and she brings her finger to her lips in that kind of creepy way when um, the cops are taking the tour of the facility um it was a lot of prisoners a lot of a uh, bit of requiem for a dream um mainly ellen burston's character and her you know sort of talking to the television that ellen burston chris mcdonald kind of sequence was super effective and super chilling to me a little bit of babadook um specifically the monster and the fantasizing of the monster mm-hmm. so there's there's a lot of uh there were a lot of a lot of different influences that that i you know i i presented to brie and then you know she just kind of put that through her artistic filter and then what came out was i i i've said this many times i mean she just so far exceeded my expectations just in 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 the most staggering way I, I i i can't get over it like i just i just didn't expect how um how moving and how sweet and how like wonderfully uh creepily silly it, it ended up looking mm-hmm. you know these like fucked up words coming through these like 
um, adorable and kind of grotesque characters and through, through her character design. It just made it all the more effective. And frankly, I have no idea how this thing is going to be received. I've mentioned this on a few, few interviews, like fishing in a way for people to be like, to tell me whether or not, you know, it's going to give them nightmares or they didn't care for it or, you know, they were quite affected by it. And, you know, pretty much across the board, people have mentioned Breeze Art just being like the keystone um, piece of this that that makes it, um, I don't want to say digestible, but but it, it kind of is. And it makes me all the more grateful that she was my partner on this as opposed to going to someone who might be traditionally more like, you know, on the nose in terms of tone. Let's make it dark. Let's make it wicked. Let's embrace those shadows. I love the kind of like Saturday morning cartoon quality almost that, that this uh, that this this tale has thanks to Brie. Absolutely, because I you talk about the Saturday morning cartoon feel. Like to me, some of the most memorable moments in my favorite cartoons of the child is when they went in sort of like a darker direction. Like, and yeah. and, I, and I think this is it's a great um, way to introduce people who maybe aren't experienced with horror, or like maybe even mm-hmm. like um, maybe even like a younger audience. Because you yourself, you're uh, from what I read, touted to work on an upcoming animated feature uh, specifically for children. Is that correct? Uh, are you referencing the vampire picture from uh, Jeff Rowland, Maury the Miserable Vampire? Uh, yes, sir. That's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I um, uh, It's it's in very, very early stages, but Jeff approached me about doing something that would be yet yeah, traditionally more of a children's film, but a children's film like, you know, in, in the way, say, uh, Pixar or the Transylvania films are for for kids. There's like something for adults. That would be the the dream. But we're we're so such in early stages of that. And obviously, pause with the strike. But that'd be that'd be the dream. Yeah. Because I just think you know, with just with that, tra- that traditional art that she does, watercolor, mm-hmm. I, it, I feel like it just makes your story and your concept that's much more inviting and once you get in like you know they're hooked with this sort of this 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 darker tale and i think that that just makes a a great package for the uh the narrative that you're presenting yeah yeah absolutely yeah, I, I i agree thank you I, i'm just again just so thrilled that that she was down to come aboard and do it with me and uh, one thing i wanted to to remark on is that just from what uh, Breeze told me in our interview and the other uh, interviews you've done in promotion for your story, I really do want to commend you for just the seemingly easy and open rapport that you had with Bree and just the respect and trust you gave her to help tell your story, and especially in a world that seems more and more ready to discount artists in favor of things like yeah. you know AI. And to, you know, to have such... Uh, an open respect for that. I think that's very commendable. Thank you for saying that. I mean, there's really, there was no other way to do it whatsoever. Um, you know, she, it's, it, she is my partner in this. Um, she exerted such immense labor in the creation of these characters and her character designs and of this world. And I've used this analogy quite a bit, you know, I'm a filmmaker and your your films are only as good as your collaborators and the team that you bring aboard. Like, you know, I've, I've used this example before, but it's like, if I were to use a stunt person or be working with stunt folks and brought them aboard my film as I've done in the past, 
you the only way to work with folks like that is to offer them skin in the game it's not to tell them not to be prescriptive but to say hey you're a collaborator in this what would you do what do you think you can always have a parameter you can always have creative boundaries no i don't want to do this that's too much that takes too far this that and the other thing um but to uh to be able to say hey you know you, it, it, this is this is our project this is in my like auteur thing not anymore not that you're bored that's that's the only way to do it it's the only way to do it across you know many um many pieces in our medium and the artistic medium save for like painting mm-hmm. you know and um and and i'm glad you brought up the ai of it all because you know sure there's a lot you can do to create art artificially um but as, as someone mentioned and it's, they bring up such a good point it's it's plagiarism software mm-hmm. you know, everything everything in ai is an element of or piece of an artist that previously existed or had created art previously um so it's a it's a frankensteining in that way um and uh so you know if i can commission um an artist like brianna who lives in nevada to do a project for me you know who's somewhat of an established filmmaker and it helps her career like you know and i certainly can't afford to pay her hundreds of thousands of dollars to make this comic book it was such a labor of love for all of us that i'm absolutely going to do it um and uh she and any anyone i bring aboard for this medium or same with filmmaking they're a partner they have to be a partner it's the best way to make the best art Absolutely, just just that healthy, just uh, respectful relationship between like the writer, the artist, and all the all the the players in between, and also yeah. just just how she got this position. Because correct me if I'm wrong, it's she reached she was just posting her art, her fan art online, and uh, that's sort of yeah. what got her to the dance, right? That's exactly right. I mean, she was she, she just so smart, and it's also just a testament to like how fast things move today and what it takes to kind of be seen. You sort of have to be as bold as you know I was back in the day, or I tried to be anyway, as like an actor walking office to office, dropping off headshots to get an acting gig. You have to be willing to like walk around and drop stuff off or knock on the door. And today's version of that is um, you can get lost in it because there's such a high volume of artists creating cool art. But what I'm noticing is that great artists do still rise to the top and can be seen. And she made herself known by tagging me in the fan art for, you know, I think it was Scare Me, my first film. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was just so blown away. We started exchanging addresses. She sent me original art. She sent me her book, Rictus. Um, And I believe her her first one's called Split Foot. Um, Stickers and all kinds of stuff. And I was just like, man, you know, someday if I have ever had an idea for a graphic novel, I'd love to work with this person. So just by, like putting herself out there and, and, and doing her own thing, but tagging, you know, um, the, the artist to inspire the art was, it's an incredible way to get your resume out there. And I encourage anyone who is doing any form of art to, you know, send and tag, like use social media to, to, um, call attention to your favorite artists. You may never hear anything, but you may, you know, break through and Brie, Brie certainly did with me. Um, I mentioned her in Fangoria and like my, you know, new favorite horror thing, section that angel and them do over there and um you know that that got brief some bites in her own career and i i encourage anyone who's who's making art to do and follow a similar path it's 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 brilliant absolutely because that, that's very encouraging to hear because i know 
myself and other people online have just saying the common chorus of like how many times they were told in art school or in or in just uh, high school and elementary school like you'll never you know get anywhere as an artist by doing fan art and like to me that seems a little counterintuitive because like fan art is a, a lot of times the most direct line to an artist's passion and even if it's you know drawing something that already exists you can tell it right away the the interest that a person has from that versus you know a still alive or like a, a pastoral image and nothing wrong with those of course but you, it's a very clear difference between when, one subject to another yeah, yeah, I, I think so. I think you're right. And um, just uh, changing uh, lanes a little bit, I did want to touch on some, like uh, I guess, the tone of the book because you mentioned before, like as dark as it is, like there's still like some levity or some disarming humor in it, and. Um, something I find very interesting and especially in the last few years is like there seems to be like a comedy to pipe excuse me a comedy to horror pipeline do you think there's yeah. anything within a comedic background that helped you specifically in making your uh, horror work I think so you know I, I'm sort of like um, I'm not saying anything that hasn't already been said in this regard, like folks like uh, John Krasinski and Jordan Peele have, and, and even Zach Kreger um, of Barbarian fame have, have broken this down. I think Kreger broke this down really brilliantly, but I think there's something about us comedians or us people who come up in comedy have this observational gene, um, this need to observe and to mimic. Like we're, we're, we're quite good at, um, we're quite good at oh what's the phrase it's like um uh it, it, you know imitating life we are the artists best at imitating life and and doing so in a skewering way and, and we there's just no other way um for us to kind of exist it, it it drives all of us so i think there's something about that observational quality about the specific humanity um uh, in, in the specific nature and people's specific nature and humanity that we just have to secure and we have to bring a magnifying glass to and that's I think you know when you, you, you apply that to horror you're bringing in hopefully if in success really textured characters and, and um, some observation is comedic and some is wrenching um, but uh, I think we've got a leg up because um, there's just a uh, there's an there's a um, there's an edge. There's a, there's a, 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 a full spectrum perspective um, in our skewering nature that we bring to our work. I mean, you can apply a bit of genre to that. You can apply a, you know some awful force. Then um, I think you have really you know something immensely successful. I think that's a, I think that's a very interesting. Uh point to because like I always kind of felt like humor and fear are sort of like the two very primordial like very direct feelings and if you're able to you know hit both of those in any successful way that, that, that to me that seems like just uh the mark of a very skilled performer whichever avenue they decide yeah. to go down I agree I mean you know some of my my biggest heroes you know well before like the the Jordan Peele Krasinski you know, Craig or even Karin Kusama era um, were folks like John uh, Leguizamo and Robin Williams, you know, these observational comedians who brought so much heart to their hysterical humor, to their incredible stand-up. Um, and, uh, 
that's you know that's the dream that's what you want you want to you want to put people through you know an immense series of emotions a spectrum of emotions you want them to have an emotional experience if you, if they can laugh and they can cry and they can be scared as hell like that's the dream that's all we want as artists um so uh so yeah those are just some of my some of my Im- immense inspirations were you know those performers absolutely and plus there, there's i think it, it's it it shows even more depth skill to, to have both terror and comedy in, in a film and you not lose either because that's why my friends and I we had such a good time with Barbarian because we were genuinely just yeah. so freaked out and disturbed but like would laugh so many times or the menu another recent one is just like how there's just a, a very skillful yes. blending of both yeah, man, and that's Mark Mylod too. You know, it's like yeah, you have that incredible cast, and those writers are awesome. But it's like that's that's the like the director over at Succession, like you know the guy who who ended up helming some of the most memorable episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, that's someone who started in comedy. Mark Mylod was a comedy dude, and look how impactful and emotional and skewering his episodes were. It's just I don't know. It's just it's, it's interesting, and I think so much has to do with the kind of like observational nature of it and the understanding about performers it's why you know I, I pride myself as a as a director I think my my kind of strength is that of being a you know an actor's director um so it's like you know if you come from comedy or you come from performance you you know i think i think you have a leg up because you've got the shorthand and you can you can bring a lot out of your your actors and of your art just with that that little bit of extra, I don't know, that little bit, little bit of a screw loose, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, especially if, if you know what it's like, you know, to be in front of the camera and behind it, you, you're much more better to direct your performer because, like, you know what it's like to be, oh, yeah. what to ask for and what to, and what to ask of your performers. That's right. I mean, for me, just with my acting experience and me just being, you know, and, and in, sometimes an insecure actor, but just, like at my most insecure moments, I'm a pretty secure comedian, still, you know, with a foot in the dropout college humor kind of world. I know what I need, you know, as as an actor. I need some, you know, assurances, and I need I need kind of a, a bit of hand holding, just in like the setting up of who I am, where I'm going, you know, as a character. Um, what is uh, what is going to become of, of, of this uh, of this person and this setup? Like, give me a bit of background. I need someone who's not just going to completely leave me alone, especially if I'm, you know, standing in front of a crew of fifty and you know, like humiliated and feeling a bit <laughs> on my element. Mm-hmm. So I want to bring that to you know to my work with with my actors. It's like, hey, that this is this is this just happened. This is about to happen. This is the scene when blank happens, and if they want me to leave them alone awesome if they, if they want me to lean in and tell them more and reassure them and give them more information then i'm like i'm i'm all for it but uh but it's it's it absolutely helps to be a performer. i think every director should should take acting class you know they should they should know what that stress level is like and what it's like to you know get vulnerable in front of a crew of i don't know 50 100 people Absolutely, because like I, I think anybody would who has acting experience would say like if you have that lived experience, it only creates like a deeper, more authentic performance. So, like whichever your avenue for d- displaying that is, I think just having that lived experience is is very vital. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's every it's completely vital. It's completely vital. Otherwise, like 
what um, what are you imitating? You know, what what life are you imitating? It's just you know, kind of completely out of your imagination. That's that's not going to be impactful whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I think just from your own body of work, do you and display that very well? Because to me, it seems very impressive that the, that the same actor I saw doing um, the Precious Plum sketches for College Humor 10 years ago is, is the same guy who did A Wounded Fawn. It's like this very like startling, surreal performance. And to have like both of those playing in my head while I was watching uh, that recently, it's like, wow, he, he really can do, just uh, do it all, it sounds like. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, when I got that script, you know, director Travis Stevens basically dm me on twitter and was like you know are you still acting would you be interested in taking a look at something i read that and i was like oh this is something i i will be challenged to do for sure but will also be like it's that dream role for someone in my position and i just say my position just meaning like you know someone who wants to um who takes pride in or or is seeking a seeking um, um, the category of, of not being able to be pinned down. I want to be, you know, unpinnable, undefinable in a way, like, oh, what's he going to do next? And then that fit perfectly just in the trajectory of what I wanted to do. People aren't going to expect me to play a serial killer and really go for it. Who knows how I did? Some people say it's, you know, pretty rad. And I was up against Mia Goth and Fangoria <laughs> um, uh, Chainsaw Awards, which is amazing. Um, with uh, incredible other um, uh, candidates and um, you know just to be able to do that and to like not quite be not quite be defined just in terms of my career that's that's the dreamiest uh, possible move I can think of absolutely because I, I was actually going to to mention I mean people are definitely sat up and take notice because you were uh, nominated for best lead performance at this year's Chainsaw Awards and I would definitely uh would would have but my vote for that because it was a great time and plus like it's a very small cast so you really have to everybody has to really put all put their all into making this this production work and i think you i think you and the rest of your actors succeeded very handily Oh my gosh, thank you. I mean, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to get where I was at all without Sarah Lynn, this is specifically just her being, you know, playing opposite me and terrorizing me and everything else. It's just, that's the dream scenario, right? It's like, yeah, you can, you can kind of peacock as an actor and scream and run and shout and be afraid and play ugly and seduce and all this stuff. But if you have a scene partner, you're, you know, who, who listens the way that, Sarah does and plays the way that someone like Sarah does then you're just like that's the only way you can really successfully sort of get there you know having someone who's just on the level um, so thank you for saying that but yeah I, I couldn't have done that without without having Sarah as a scene card for the most part absolutely like like you said earlier it is a very much a team and a collaborative effort and i yeah. say um as we're sort of winding down today uh, you d- just considering like how big your um your body work is just from writing, acting, directing. Uh, what more would you like to do? I, you seem to have a great time with Darla. Do, do we want to receive more comic book uh, writing in the future? Oh, absolutely. I actually will finally be able to sit down and read a little bit of Scott McCloud and figure out actually <laughs> how to, you know, write a comic from the ground up as opposed to having this like kind of a movie idea and then maybe adapting it and working from there. Like I, it was, it was such a funky way to to build a, a graphic novel. I'm super excited to like now, you know, 
having learned the lessons I've learned through this process and, and have, you know, having had such incredible educators in a sense from the publishers, you know, my buddies at, um, at Invader uh, Comics, I am so excited to build one from the ground up and, you know, my, my gears are turning for sure. I just wish it was a more equitable institution. You know, I, I feel like there are a lot of comic book writers and artists who, you know, they, they can't hold their career down just doing um, doing comic books. It's a passion. It's a passion for all of us. So I, I hope that changes. I'm glad to see it coming back a little bit with hard media and everything else. But I'm, I am 1,000% thinking of other ideas because I love the medium. I always have. Absolutely. And, and to me, when, when you're working with comics, it's, it's a lot of times that the most direct line to the creator's like thoughts because you don't have to really worry about like executive oversight though don't do this pull back it's just you it's just you your writer and your artist and you know what you make together oh my god yeah bang on patrick i mean that's like that's exactly how i i i had to make this comic is because i i was sort of in this holding pattern as we are as filmmakers often we're waiting for the phone to ring we're waiting for financing for a film i've got a bunch of different film projects waiting for financing one that was announced a couple that were announced including the more the miserable vampire project the animated thing and Green Bank, the sci-fi thriller with, you know, Tatiana Maslany and Jasmine Savoy Brown, I'm like sitting around, I'm waiting to, you know, I have to be like making a thing. I had been working on this independent kind of secret horror, low-budget horror thing for a moment and getting close on that before the strike. And I thought like, man, you know, a graphic novel, I could just like collaborate with my artists and just start working now in a way that, you know, even more conveniently than... If I were to just like drop a bunch of money on a short film, um, which is expensive and can be a bit of a headache in its own right, it's like let's try publishing, let's try let's try this medium. I'm, I'm so I'm so happy I did, and it's it's technically IP that magic word in my industry. Everybody's you know so horny about it's like <laughs> oh yeah now you have this original property and look it's a it's a pre-existing thing and could it be a movie or could it be a series or this that and the other thing? I just wanted to make a thing, just like I wanted to make you know, scare me back in the day. And like, I just wanted to make the shorts that I did. And, and you know, I, I try not to think about the the end game for any of it. I try to just chase the art. And um, I'm, I'm so glad I did with this one. It's, it's, uh, it is the quickest way to, to create for sure. Or certainly one of them. Absolutely. And, I, and comics is one of my favorite mediums. It, it's one of the things I sort of help me like explore my own personal art direction and it's still a, a, a great thing and like like so many other things in art it's it's sorely looked down upon but i think with people like you just creating the most varied type of stuff that can for their own sort of creative expression and fulfillment i think i think horror comics and just comics in general are in good hands especially with just what you do and you're just open respect for all the parties involved Oh, thank you. I, I I try, and I'm also I'm st- I'm still a student. I'm still learning, and I'm, I'm certainly educating myself on who all of the the real deal players are in this industry that aren't just like you know uh, Caucasian male filmmakers <laughs> like myself trying to get into it, like to start uh, by jumping into the industry by saying I have a story. Let me find someone to help me bring it to life. It's like let me educate myself on what came before that I need to catch up on everything from you know. Godzilla and hell to the sculptor and like figure out you know who the artists who are today 
um, uh, that have been working for for some time that I, I should know. And there's there's a lot of them. Um, and uh, I, I'm I'm so thrilled that it's you know a category on Twitter and Blue Sky and you know all over Instagram. You can follow incredible artists, and I, I want to work with uh, with many of them. Absolutely. To, to me, uh, Twitter and Instagram, they're, they're like my go-to places to find you art, the most interesting art. And, and I think you're in, you're, in, you're in a great spot to just to find just people who are incredibly skilled and ready to work. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Well, thank you for saying that. All right. You're very welcome. And thank you for um, speaking with me today. I know it's a long time coming, but I had a great time talking to you. Very easy to, to speak with, and it's been an absolute pleasure, Josh. Me too, Patrick. And, and apologies to anyone listening who is like, how is this dude mildly articulate? How is this guy a filmmaker? And he can barely form a sentence. I've been mildly distracted, uh, <laughs> folks, uh, making dinner over here. So um, if I sound like a complete complete idiot which I, I am I totally am it's today it's slightly more so because I'm making delicata squash so um that's that's it I've explained myself and now I shall retire <laughs> well it, it was a great time speaking to you man I hope we can speak to you again and, and nothing else I would very much looking forward to Darla and uh, let everyone know um, where they can find Darla um once it releases on the newsstands yeah, you can actually um, go to my website right now, joshesmindhouse.com, all one word, and um, go into the merch section, and it'll be right there. You can pre-order it, but also you can just, like, search Darla GN Josh Rubin. It's on Westfield Comics. It's got a diamond code. It's, you can go to invadercomics.com and find it. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's out there, and I think we got delayed from May thirty first our original release date. It's it's now with printing and back orders and stuff. I think um, like early June, but you can certainly pre order it. All right, very nice. I will have links in, in the description of today's episode for Darla pre-orders, for Josh's website, and uh, all the um, all the links that I think will be uh, very pertinent to reaching out. Uh, Bree uh, Tippett's art, I'll have that link as well. And is there anything else um, yeah. b- before we close today that you'd like to uh, bring to it, to our listeners' attention? Um, if you can donate to the, uh, the community funds that are out there that will aid the writers who are on strike right now, um, please do so. Just look up community fund writers strike um it should come right up donate what you can and help the folks who are striking for uh fair labor and wages while ceos rake in these ridiculous profits <laughs> yes um a very a very worthy cause to contribute to we thank you for supporting that and um to let everyone know in case this is their first time listening this has been all you can hear podcast we are a variety podcast broadcasting out of central alabama we are one of the longest running podcasts in in the state and we uh, thank you for listening to us today and uh all of our shows um cajun greatness our nicholas cage movie review podcast ayc it's at show we discuss movies video games wrestling and everything in between it's been a pleasure talking to you josh we'll be looking forward to your next project thank you so much it's a pleasure patrick Thank you so much for sticking with the episode and listening to my interview with Josh Rubin. Despite some audio troubles, I still had a great time talking with Josh. It was a very insightful, very easy conversation. He's a great guy, and uh, we're very excited to see what he does next. And just to reiterate what Josh says, in the 
description of today's episode, you will find links to Josh's social media, his personal website, a pre-order link for the Darla comic, as well as a link to, to support the Writers Guild strike. Also in our episode description, you will find links to the first part of this duology, and that is my interview with Bree Tippetts as she discusses her portion of creating the, the Darla comic and as being the artist and all of her influences from there. We appreciate you so much for listening today. You can follow AYCH Podcast wherever podcasts are found. That's on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Be sure to like, rate, view, and subscribe wherever you find us. Really helps us out, keeps us visible, puts us in front of new people, and it really means a lot to us. You can follow us on our socials on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at AYCH Podcast. That's all for this very special edition of the Arkin Here podcast. Take care, and we'll be talking to you very soon. Mm-hmm.